My name is Jean Pierre, and when I was younger, I used to pride myself in being treated differently, especially by my parents. I figured this was because I was the last born and automatically their favorite child. Sometimes this difference in treatment was very subtle, somewhat under the table, but other times it was very open, very loud, and the epitome of favoritism. All in all, I had a very biased truth about God, family, life, and about myself. There's this phenomenon called intuition, or the sixth sense, gut feeling, or spirit, however you may refer to it. Such a crucial part of human life if you ask me. Mine told me early on that something was different within me, I just never knew what it was. I remember someone jokingly hinted to me that something about me attracts broken people. My response was, well, that is half true. So then what's the whole truth now? Well, first things first, I am a lot of things and we shall get into these things but before anything, I am human. Being human means being multi-layered, in my opinion. To know oneself or another being is possessing the ability to make sense of each individual layer, to comprehend that layer then peel on to the next one, understand it, and then on to the next layer. And just like that, as many layers as humanly possible. Welcome to Pain Free. Let's start peeling. As I mentioned earlier, I am a lot of things, a poet amongst other things. In a lot of my poems, I do tend to be fond of pain as a concept. It is no surprise that my poetry is never void of pain, truth, transparency, and humor. Although most people relate to the pain in the stories I tell, they have never quite figured out the source of it. Not just my poetry audiences, but some close friends, past, present, and well, hopefully not future, especially after this. And that has always been my Achilles heel in any form of relationship, so to say. It's been that veil between myself and the next person. I intricately and purposefully always weave this veil in my relationships and pretend it's not there, hoping no one notices. Some haven't, some have. One of my lamest excuses for keeping this veil, which really is conjured by selfish reasons, is fear. Fear of, hmm, good question. Fear, fear of death. No, not the death of me or the other person, but the death of everything that was before the veil was torn. The death of being treated like a normal human being, like an equal. The death of a substantial basis for a relationship not centered on pity or some form of guilt then there's the fear of switching up in personality that fake first time reaction of assurance that nothing has changed or that it's not a big deal or that we'll get through it until until everything has changed until it is a big deal and until we don't get through it a lot usually tends to change after the veil is pulled and history seems to indicate that a lot of these relationships take a turn for the worst. I like to call this collateral damage. Yes, 
collateral damage some of this damage is easy to forget over the years however some damage is quite unforgettable especially incidents where the other side was more impacted so to say if there was a possibility of picking which side should only be impacted with my side being the one that gets impacted then i would live with that it almost always feels like destroying something i personally helped build which could have been avoided if i simply tore the veil or in other words if i simply shared not the whole truth but my truth quick story and i don't want to give too much in this story but a few years back there was a girl i liked and no this is not that oh there's always a girl type of story so there was a girl i liked but she was really playing hard to get after playing my cards right she agreed to one date and one date only we went on a date the first 20 to 25 minutes of this date were unbelievably great i don't usually use the word perfect but those first 20 minutes were perfect perfect until i pulled out my phone about i don't know 15 minutes into the date while waiting for the food that was the first time i pulled my phone out by the way i quickly texted someone and called them but i only let the line ring three times and i cut the call put my phone back in my pocket and acted like nothing happened i could tell she saw the whole incident and she was puzzled but not as puzzled as when i pulled out my wallet a few minutes later took out enough money to cover the entire meal and some extra cash for her cab and then i sincerely said i'm sorry but i really have to go and then i walked out just when i was outside the restaurant a car pulled up with the door ajar i jumped in and the car sped off as if fleeing a crime scene three days passed imagine three days passed before i finally reached out to her when i finally did open my chat with her three days later I found a whole bunch of text messages and voice notes. Very colorful and highly animated voice notes, by the way. So in those three days that I had apparently ghosted her, her analysis of that incident drew her to the conclusion that I flaked because I realized how unattractive she was and how I somewhat felt that I was out of her league put it nicely so to think that my actions affected another human being's self-esteem and perception of themselves is the type of collateral damage i cannot bear because in this particular instance it was so further from the truth i knew upon reading her messages that this was her truth and i would never convince her otherwise if this was her truth then what was the whole truth and better yet what was my whole truth that day what really happened so my truth that day was that after enjoying the first 20 minutes of the date my brain signaled to me that my body was about to give up on me and i had to move fast i was experiencing what is called a crisis why was i having a crisis on a beautiful date well because i have sickle cell disorder and pain is measured in decibels and from a scale of one to ten the pain felt like an eight usually before a crisis hits my body kind of gives me a few warning signs beforehand and other times it's like surprise this was one of those spontaneous romantic surprise attacks very cute so when my body went into shock caused by excess pain i pulled out my phone texted my dad saying it's happening again 
emergency and all the dramatic stuff. Uh, what else did I tell him? I said, come pick me up from so-and-so restaurant. And then I paged him, put my phone away, sat there for another eight to ten minutes, I think. I can't remember. Waiting for my dad while contemplating whether or not I should tell my date what was happening to me. I chose not to. A decision that I don't entirely regret and neither am I proud of. I was in hospital for three days. Hence, I only reached out to her when I was discharged and I had access to my phone again. So you see, there's this one incident with different truths to it. And you decide what the whole truth is. And here's more of the truth. There are possibly seven types of pain. Physical, emotional, spiritual, social, financial, mental, and sexual pain. There's a part of the brain that processes all these forms of pain in the same way. When I learned this, it helped me greatly with processing my own pain. I figured if the part responsible for processing pain somehow disregards the source of it, but focuses more on processing it, and facilitating healing then maybe I too should try to employ the same method. The subject of human pain is very common. It is sensitive and immensely important to all of us. I believe we have made the sources of pain however just as important. Personally I feel there's an overglorification of the means through which we experience pain than there is an attempt to process and heal from the pain. This over-glorification of the experiences that bring us pain or brought us pain happens because somehow the more we talk about these experiences, the more we relive the pain. The more we relive the pain, the more we begin to identify with this pain. And then in identifying with this pain, it becomes difficult to let go of that narrative and pursue healing. Now listen. I am not trying to downplay the tough moments and experiences that bring us pain. It matters that we know exactly where this pain is coming from. And it matters most importantly that we are able to pinpoint the pain, process it and facilitate healing. The thing about pain speaking from experience is especially undealt pain is that it is so easy to personalize and compartmentalize. Once we personalize this pain. At the same time, we still have to deal with people around us. We may tend to feel that if someone else hasn't experienced it to the same degree as we have, then they either won't understand or they won't be able to help or they are inept to chime in on the matter. And in such situations, it becomes so easy to discard their inputs and it becomes even harder to accept any attempts that they make in an effort to help us in dealing with our pain. My problem in dealing with pain was that I always wanted other people to feel it to the degree that I felt it. And as I went about my business with undealt pain, seeing life through eyes full of pain, I unknowingly started adopting a me versus them or me versus everyone else attitude. Seeing life through the eyes of pain caused me to see pain as an independent entity that existed within and sometimes outside of me. Somehow in my mind I felt like 
I could identify this pain as a being. I could talk to it, confront it as I would a person. And sometimes, if not a person, then a mental location I could go to. A certain dark place or a mental pathway that led to a certain door. And behind that door was all the horror, the trauma, the beast, and whatever I chose to identify it as. With this belief, I would then further act like that person or that place did not exist, which felt equivalent to healing. However, not addressing the elephant in the room or pretending it's not there does not change the fact that the elephant is still in the room. A traumatic experience cannot be mentally deleted or simply forgotten. I cannot delete my trauma. I cannot outfight my pain. I can never be fast enough to outrun my past. Healing does not equal forgetfulness. Healing does not equate ignorance over what was or what is. Healing for me now is seeing that door, knowing exactly what beast is behind that door, and still having the courage to open the door, stare the beast in the eye, confront it if need be, without, without it having to impact my current countenance and being able to walk out of that space with my dignity. I am now in a place where I don't wish for anyone else to feel my pain. To the degree that I felt it or feel it, I think that was selfish, cruel, and misguided. Because for the next person to feel my pain to the same degree, then the variables that played a key role in causing me the pain must definitely align in the same manner for the other person to feel it. Looking over the course of my precious life and the amount and extent of pain I've experienced in its entirety is alarming and traumatic. I wouldn't wish that on anyone, not not even my worst enemy. More than ever, I wish for people to simply try to understand my pain as best as they can, like I would try to understand theirs. And if an understanding cannot be forged, then that's all right too. If you cannot understand my pain and I cannot understand yours, then the least we can do for each other is simply acknowledge that it exists. Truth is we're all going through authentic human experiences that are new to all of us with no prior knowledge or wisdom of how to handle these experiences. And so it's no cause for comparison or competition, but one of collaboration, if you ask me. Once again, I don't know why I keep running back to the analogy of the dark room, but what I'm trying to say is I've been in that room for a very long time. That room is furnished by the past, maintained by fear, fueled by pain. And pain is such a powerful fuel. And for as long as I've been in that room, pain has fueled me in the most negative ways from easily disconnecting with those around me, the people who care about me, people who I care about too. And simply having this ability to easily cut off such people with no explanation, no looking back, no remorse, no no presence of any sort of emotion. And also, always comparing my pain to others, always feeling like my pain outweighs everyone else's or undermining other people's pain as well. Having a me versus them mindset most of the time, always feeling like I need to prove everyone wrong. But you know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. A lot seemed right to me then, trust me, a lot, but not anymore. You know the saying, hurt people hurt people, right? I'm sure you've heard of it. I always used to lean towards one side of the saying. For example, someone hurts you, 
So you retaliate and hurt that person back. There's some level of awareness and intentionality in you hurting that person back. But there's also another aspect of this statement, hurt people, hurt people, which involves an oblivious state of causing pain to those around you and unknowing but constant train wreck in the lives of those who care the most for you, which in my opinion is the worst effect of undealt pain that was produced in me. And until I became aware of how oblivious I was, I continuously moved in life with with a never-ending debris of collateral damage. Yeah, collateral damage. So in this moment, I now have a better and a healthier way to handle the fuel that my pain produces. With time, patience, divine guidance, and constant revelation, I've realized that my pain equals growth, growth equals knowledge, and knowledge equals profit. And for me to capitalize on the profits of my pain, I need to step out from the environment or space where I usually harbor it. I need to leave that dark room. Outside the room, I am not fueled by the notion of proving everyone wrong, but proving myself right. Proving myself right looks like trusting every resource God has placed in me mentally, spiritually, more especially physically, to live a fulfilled life. To share my authentic life experiences as they come, to embrace the ability to turn my pain into a superpower, to also understand that this superpower is for serving my God-ordained purpose and nothing else, and finally, to help out people cut from a similar cloth find the courage and truth that will set them free from their dark rooms. I guess this is what my intuition has been eluding to all my life, and it had to take this long. So, as I leave this room, something has definitely left me and I'm optimistic of what will replace it. Whatever state this podcast finds you in, there's a possibility that you may have struggled all your life with a form of pain like I have, and you can relate. I would like to say I acknowledge your pain and I respect you. There's also a possibility that you may not be able to relate or even agree to all that I have said. I like to say that I acknowledge your opinion and I respect you equally. What I know about truth is that it sets free. So I trust that you will always hold on to your truth like I now proudly hold on to mine. I guess in a nutshell what I'm trying to say is this is my truth. Don't hold it against me. Sometimes I feel like my life is a poem that two friends Death and pain have been writing since the day I was born. And from the uncertainty that surrounded my early days as I've been told, I figured that poem would not be very long. I couldn't have been more wrong. Not often do I get to say that. And not often do I get to say this. I know two things are a fact. I know it's not every time that I understand God's plan or let alone agree to it. 
I know not to place my identity in the hardships or tragedies that surround me. The human curse? My human curse is that my mind tricks me into thinking that because I'm a logical being then everything that happens in life has to align by logical means. So it's not uncommon to see me throw a fit or tap into the bandwagon that did logically say, save yourself. If you are God's son, come down from your cross. Or my personal favorite, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, blindness may not be the case in point, certainly not mine, but that has not stopped my tongue from spewing lifelong theories that have been etched in my brain. Born with a blood disorder, and this disorder comes with chronic pain and a whole bunch of its other siblings, such as an unprovoked helplessness in my ever hands-on and capable father, a lifetime job for my mother, day and night shifts either in a hospital or in my room plus a burden placed upon her that keeps her awake 24-7 should I need help at any second. Then there's also that arousal of uncommon and unwanted emotions in my very macho brothers that men often run away from and surprisingly a mountain of strength surmounted in my sister. Finally it comes with an aroma of confusion and empathy evoked in my friends, loved ones and others. I've been told so many times that I have a great sense of humor so sometimes out of the same humor or out of spite I often go to God since he says he knew me even before I was formed in my mother's womb and my question is always then God, what exactly happened right after I got in there? I like to believe he finds that funny. I obviously do. I've learned that gratitude is a faster catalyst of dissolving pain. And the hardest thank you will at times sound like sarcasm or mockery, especially when blinded to a point where nothing seems worthy of gratitude. But there's always something to be grateful for. Otherwise, you wouldn't have said in everything give thanks, so if it's gratitude you require, then allow me. Thank you for parts of me I've kept secret and tried not to associate with because they did not fit into my definition of cool enough. Thank you for everything my blindness has done or not done for me, and thank you for the now lesson that I've taken forever to learn. My gratitude is a symbol of me yielding parts of me that you created but I chose to keep for myself or rather hide from myself. In all honesty, I get it. I see. Literally. <laughs>